Lorraine, first off, I got to apologize for sending you the Zoom details for this conversation like seven minutes before we were supposed to talk. But, you know, it kind of makes sense because I'm someone who doesn't use digital automation and kind of optimization of everything. And yet that seems to be the place you hang your hat. So maybe it's about time I conversed with someone who actually had some hints and tips and tricks and hacks and you name it. So I don't end up sending you the Zoom details seven minutes before we're supposed to start recording. You know, I would love to tell you, and it's really nice to talk to you. And I would love to tell you that, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a real tech geek and I never have those issues. I am a tech geek. I do love playing with the toys. And there are still moments where that alarm goes off on my camera and I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. And I have to rush to send it. But I do, I do try to automate it. <laughs> yeah, well, some days just get away from you. And this has certainly been one of those days. But I thank you very much for coming on the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. And I'm here to say that I was on your podcast. Mm-hmm. More than a few words is what More it's called. More than a few words. Yeah. And you've, you've actually got, I want to say, over 640 episodes of that bad boy. Yeah, yeah. We are, I'm coming up on 12 years. It'll be 12 years, January 3rd. Are you kidding me? Wow. I mean, so you were a very early adopter because, okay, so podcasting came in waves. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to guess that maybe you even saw the article in Wired Magazine that featured Adam Curry, the old VJ from, what am I thinking of? MTV. MTV, Uh, Adam Curry, the old MTV VJ. And he was doing this whole brand new thing called podcasting on this thing called the Apple iPod. And Mm -hmm. it... Do you recall that article, first of all? I do remember that. And I also remember that when we first started podcasting and we were stumbling around trying to figure out what it was we were supposed to be doing, we envisioned this, and and his early shows were that way too, we envisioned them like radio on the internet. Right, right. And so we did a lot of copying the format of a radio show. We, with more than a few words, we actually had a live call-in show. Oh, my gosh. And, oh, my God. And I can laugh about it now. But, but I thought that's what we were supposed to do. Yeah, well, it was a brave new world. It, it was a brave new world. We did live call-in and live tweeting. So if you tweeted at us while we were recording, we would read your tweets on the air. We, we, would, we would talk to you. I had somebody who would sit there and she would live tweet excerpts from the show while it was going on. It was crazy. Oh, I bet. I mean, but I, I totally remember that, though, because I would download. Obviously, you can see on the back wall of my little hovel. Mm-hmm. That I've got guitars and stuff like that. And I've always enjoyed blues music. And there was this guy out of, I don't know, someplace in Arkansas who had this really great blues show that was a podcast. And it was mm-hmm. exactly what you say. I think it might have been two hours long. And he even had fake commercial breaks in it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes fake, sometimes real, but mostly real. fake because nobody was advertising on podcasts at that time. That's because no one knew what a podcast was. And basically what a podcast was, was a stage upon which anybody could do anything. And guess what? Some of that stuff actually worked to the point that someone like Joe Rogan gets $100 million from Spotify. Absolutely. You know, it's so funny because I was doing it. I had a digital agency back in the day, and I was doing it as a way to reach a wider audience, connect with prospective customers. And it was really more of a sales tool. And 
there was a moment where I went, yeah, this isn't really doing what I want. And we kind of lost momentum. And as we lost momentum, that's when the rest of the world discovered podcasting. Right. And so I have this year where there's not a lot of episodes when everybody else was podcasting. And so now we're playing catch up. And so the lesson as a business owner is if you think it's going to be a thing, just keep at it. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's true of anything when it comes to mm-hmm. trying to build a personal brand via the incredibly mm-hmm. free tools of social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's free in mm-hmm. terms of dollars. It's not free in terms of sweat and blood and mm-hmm. a few more than a few tears. Absolutely. And I think that that's a mistake that a lot of business owners make is they don't put a dollar amount on their time. And so they're like, oh, well, no, I'm going to do that. It's only an hour on social media. It'll be fine. Yeah, that's true. It is only an hour. But is that the best thing you could be doing with that hour? What's your billable rate? If you're billing $100, $150 an hour for your consulting, pay somebody 10 bucks an hour to post your social media updates for you. You know, there's there's that moment. and, And I think too often business owners think of their time as free. Yeah, well, I'm certainly guilty of that. I mean, the only inventory I have as an advertising and marketing creative is my time. Mm -hmm. Consequently, I should be valuing that at an incredibly high rate and offloading whatever Mm -hmm. I can that makes sense. And sometimes you don't know if it's going to make sense until you do it a while and then you see a a real return on Mm -hmm. investment. But for people like me, it's one of those things of, yeah, but I can do it myself. And I kind of like to do it myself. And that's really, I'll be honest, that's a huge anchor for what I'm doing. And I think, but you said two things there. You said, I can do it and I like doing it. If you like doing it, life is too short not to do the things you like. But the other one, I can do it, but I'd rather be doing something else. Those are the things that I think you need to talk or think about jettisoning finding someone else to do. I like editing my podcasts. Um, now, now, my shows are a little different than yours. It's a 10-minute show. Right. And so I enjoy going back and reliving the conversation because it's quick and I can do it and I have a rhythm. And I'm picky about how it edits. And so I don't really like when other people edit my shows. But I like it, so I'm okay with it. On the other hand, I do a Facebook Live with a friend of mine and writing the summary of the Facebook Live just bores me to tears. Oh, well, yeah. We have we have somebody else who goes through and rewatches the video and she does the, builds the whole thing. And I just go and read it and go, God, that's wonderful. And I didn't have to do it. Yeah. Well, and I yeah. think that's, that's key. I mean, yes, I agree with you because I do the same thing. I mm-hmm. hand edit every single episode because I care. I mm-hmm. want my guests to sound expert and authoritative. And if they are an ummer, or uh, every question is a, that's a good question. Not every question I'm gonna ask is gonna be a good one. So you get one, that's a good question per episode. The rest of them I have to cut out. And Mm -hmm. again, it's because I care and I care about my listeners as well because we've all listened to those, hi, you've reached the, you're listening to the Marketing Minute podcast. And you know, you just turn it off because Mm -hmm. Audio quality is so darn important. I actually did an interview one time with someone. He was a guest on my show and his whole thing, he was a video guy. And he said that people will forgive poor quality video, 
but they won't forgive poor quality audio. And I started watching, I started paying attention to that. And I realized that he's right. And I'm with you. I don't like to change things that people say, but it's really hard to listen to someone who's, um, 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 and so if I can fix that, I, I, I like to do that. And the pregnant pauses too. A good podcast is kind of musical. It has mm-hmm. to flow. And sometimes a long pause can kill the flow, if you know what I mean, as I just demonstrated, right? Mm -hmm. So consequently, I'll even take that and I'll cut it in half because it still Mm -hmm. indicates that, oh, they're taking some time, they're thinking, but it's not a 20 second pause for crying out loud. You know, not everybody listens to their podcast at 2x speed or something like that. It's such a great medium and you've been doing it for so long. Do you have any hints or tips tricks for anybody who has never done a podcast but might be thinking about it? I think you have to find a style that works for you. I have always been fairly quick on my feet. You ask me a question, I can talk about anything for any length of time. What I have found is that for me, if I listen to the person, it's easy for me to come up with that next question but I really have to zone in and listen. And I think the mistake that a lot of podcasters make is they're very focused on what they have to say and not on what the guest is saying. I think you also need to know why you're doing the podcast. That's what tripped me up in about year number five, where it wasn't serving the purpose I thought it was going to serve. And I wasn't sure where it fit and it stopped being fun and it started to be drudgery. So is it a sales tool? Are you networking? I have a friend who had a brilliant show for years. She would interview, she would call up and interview people who were business owners about their business. She was in a small community in upstate New York, and she would call the people she wanted to have as clients. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's smart. It was brilliant. I love that idea that you have to really frame the why. Why are you Mm -hmm. doing this podcast? Because if it's to make money, you're not going to. But if something catches fire, you don't know just where it might go. And it may not be in the terms of, wow, it caught fire and now I'm making lots of money. But it might put you in a different class of people that you want Mm -hmm. to engage with and learn from. For example, I use my podcast as an excuse to get on smart people like you and meet you and learn from you. And ultimately, over the course of a podcast, you're creating a relationship that is almost better in some cases than a face-to-face relationship. Because here's the thing, when I get this done and I get it edited and Lorraine sounds great, I'm able to contact her and say, hey, Lorraine, the podcast is premiering on this date. Here's a link to it. Here's this other stuff, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm literally putting deposits in the Lorraine Ball Bank of Goodwill by doing that. And she's, of course, doing it for me because I was on her podcast first. So Mm -hmm. I didn't bring you on simply as a back scratch or a thank you (laughs) back rub for being on your podcast. But in getting to know you on your podcast, I learned that you had smart things to share with my audience. Consequently, you're on my podcast. So... It's it's a virtuous cycle. Yeah, it, it it's a cycle. But here's the thing. Cycles mm-hmm. can stay in place or they can roll forward. And mm-hmm. I like my virtuous cycle to cycle 
but also roll forward, meaning mm -hmm. that it's accomplishing things for both of us. And it sounds like you've understood that for a, a long, long time. Yeah. And I think when you talk about, you know, meeting smart people and getting to know people, I have, uh, I just got back from a, a vacation and had two lunch meetings, one in Boston and, and one in upstate New York with people I had met through podcasting. We connected, we were guests on each other's shows. We really liked each other and liked each other well enough that we've stayed in touch. And I made a detour to connect in person. And I have a couple of people I've been working with in England. And I now that the pandemic seems to be receding a little bit, I can think about going back overseas. I got people I want to see there too. Oh, I, I totally get that. Same mm -hmm. thing. It's funny because podcasting gives you the entire world as a possible audience. Anybody who can access a podcast around the world can potentially access your podcast. So here's Absolutely. the thing. You want to get more uh, listeners in Australia, see if you can't find some Australians to, to bring on your show. Same thing around mm -hmm. the country or around the globe even. And mm -hmm. I had a guest on who advised me to look at my analytics and I'm not one of those analytic hogs, you know, I, I just, I don't mm -hmm. like to look at them. It's, I don't know, maybe it's this popularity contest thing. I, I, I don't, I, it just, it doesn't feel authentic to me, mm -hmm. but she said to me, just look to see how many countries mm -hmm. there have been listeners in for your podcast. And I'm like, okay, I'll look. She said, I've had 28. And I'm like, you've had 28 countries. Mm -hmm. I look at mine. It's 44. I'm like, are you kidding wow. me? Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that mm -hmm. that just lit a fire under my butt because mm -hmm. all of a sudden it wasn't about some type of personal self-aggrandizement. Mm -hmm. It's about, no, people are finding some value in this. Great. I'm doing something right. Great. How can I do it even better? Well, see, and I look at the analytics, not again, I don't I don't get caught up in, oh, my God, you know, I've got so many downloads here and so many downloads there. The reason I look at the analytics is I can see episode to episode which ones are resonating, which ones are doing better. And then I start looking at, was that a good guest or was that a good topic? And, you know, whether I'm looking at the analytics, okay, full confession, I'm a numbers geek. So I'm going to look at the analytics for everything. But whether I'm looking at the analytics for my blog or my podcast or a training course that I'm doing, I'm always comparing. I have a, this is my baseline because this is where I normally am. This episode is way better. This piece of content was way better. This page on my website. And I want to know why. Because if I can unlock that why, I have a chance to replicate it. That makes total sense. And I wish I could say I, I was going to change my ways, but the way that you're a, a numbers woman, I'm a word guy. I love words. Mm -hmm. Numbers and I don't get along. I'm just saying uh, numbers is French and I don't speak French, unfortunately. But I can learn from what you're talking about, which is especially the embrace what you like to do and look mm -hmm. for opportunities to offload what you don't like to do. This episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast is brought to you by my new book, Nonfiction Brand. Discover, craft, and communicate the completely true, completely you brand you already are, now available on Amazon.com. 
Jay Bear, best-selling author of Talk Triggers, said, The book is outstanding. Highly recommended. A spectacularly useful guide to personal branding that pulls off the difficult trick of being both realistic and inspirational. A must-read, regardless of where you are in your own brand-building journey. To get your copy, head on over to Amazon.com and search Nonfiction Brand. And let's get you all the credit you deserve for the completely true, completely you brand you already are. The things you don't like to do. You've got, in your company, you've got multiple people working for you, right? Well, I I did. I, I sold my agency in February. I had a team of nine, and I sold the agency after 19 years. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so I was able to really pick and choose what I wanted to do. And so when I sold the business and stepped back, I'm still picking and choosing what I want to do. I kept the training was always kind of my thing as a way of lead generation, but I still like doing it. So I'm doing training. I'm doing online training and I'm doing the podcasting. I still outsource some of the data entry stuff that bores me to tears. I still outsource some of those other things because those are still things that I can do them. But if I'm doing that, then I'm not working on developing my next class. I'm not creating the content for a presentation coming up. I'm worrying about whether or not the social media posts got done. So what kinds of stuff do you outsource? Right now, I am outsourcing some content creation. I'm working with a, a group of college students. And actually, this, was, this is brilliant, and I would encourage every business owner to do this. Go find a college professor who's teaching. If you want to outsource your content marketing because you just don't want to do the social media, find a college professor who is teaching a course in content marketing and would love to have a real live company for her students. When I was, I'm not doing it now, but I've taught digital marketing and traditional marketing. And so I always would bring in my clients or my friends who had businesses and introduce them to my students. So I'm outsourcing that. I don't do, I do basic bookkeeping, but the end of year stuff, payroll stuff, right now I'm still in this weird place because I own the business. So I'm still paying myself through the end of the year like I was a, an employee. Right. In 19 years of owning my business, I never got the employee tax right. And so <laughs> after the first few years, I just said, I followed the formulas. I don't know what it is. Here, let me pay you. You do it. Yeah. And I'm a production artist. I'm not a great graphic designer. And so I outsource the initial creative to one of the designers I've worked with for years. And she gives me templates that I can then replicate. Right. No, I I totally get that. And I do the same thing with people who are far better at what they Mm -hmm. do than I could ever be. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any experience with virtual assistants or anything like that? Or are they all kind of close to home? I have not used VAs, but I have, it's interesting because I have a a good friend who started a business where, because I knew a lot of people that were using VAs and had really good luck, but she sort of created this nice little niche where they are all, basically her workforce is college educated stay at home moms. So they are, you're not dealing with any language issues. 
and they only work, the vast majority of them either work 10 to 2 or after 8 o'clock at night. Right. So you kind of get into that groove. And Jennifer started where she was hiring VAs and had such good luck that she actually built out her whole business model where she's just placing these very qualified people. And my guess is her workforce has grown because I think there are a lot of people in the last 18 months who are like, you know what? I don't want to go back into an office. I believe that because as everyone who's suffered or worked their way through COVID understands offices, why do I need to go back? I missed, we had a really fun environment. Yeah. The building was a little house. We had live animals all the time. People sort of came and went because it was a creative agency. So, oh, you didn't want to get up, get up until 10 today? Okay. Did you get, get what you needed done? Cool. So we were sad when everybody went home and we started bringing people back kind of like the content team came back Monday, Wednesday, the web team came back Tuesday, Thursday, so we could limit who had contact with who. And it was fun when everybody came back after we all got our vaccines and we felt comfortable, but it, it did change. It did change it. People loved being in the office, but they also were like, you know what, today I just need to work from home. Okay. And we would never have done that pre-COVID. Yeah. I think that the scales have fallen from a whole lot of eyes because Skype's been around forever. I don't know how Skype allowed Zoom to eat their lunch, but Zoom's been eating Skype's lunch for a long time. And they're not alone. There are many different video conferencing software platforms and stuff like that. But the key thing is that businesses are now understanding, oh, I cannot spend $500 a square foot in some downtown high rise. Mm -hmm. And instead invest in the people and in their professional development and, you know, perhaps create a culture that doesn't require everybody to be in the same room all the time, but can enable them to excel. Oh, there are now new possibilities. Yeah. And that's that's a very exciting thing. And I want to talk to you because, again, listeners to this podcast, you may not be able to tell, but. If you've seen my picture, you know, I've got a lot of salt and pepper in my beard, indicating that I'm a little bit north of, well, let's say there's the top of the hill and then there's the side I'm on. And <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite over the hill, but I'm also not a spring chicken anymore. And mm -hmm. Lorraine, I would never ask you to reveal your age, but I will say that you are obviously a fine vintage wine. <laughs> that has been uh, involved in this forever, if for no other reason than you've been doing a podcast for how many years, 12? I've been doing a podcast for 12 years and running an agency for 19, and I had a lot of years in corporate before that. So I think gray is optional. You know, the whole salt and pepper, you can have as much or as little as you want. But even when I started, started the agency and, and digital marketing kind of became a thing, I was older than your average techie geek at the time. And I haven't gotten any younger, who knew, but it's okay. Well, I, I agree. And I only bring it up because there are a lot of people out there, some of whom are probably listening to this podcast, who are like, I know I should be doing social media. I know I should be building a personal brand. I know I should be uh, telling people or demonstrating who I am, what I do and how I do it. 
But, you know, I kind of missed the boat on that, to which I say garbage. That is absolute garbage. And I think you would violently agree with me on that. <laughs> Garbage is a nicer word than than was forming on my lips at that moment. Let's let let let's 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 put it that way. I, yeah, I used to go to lots of meetings where I would hear that, and I would call people out on that. I'm like, okay, take out your driver's license. Let me see what year you got on it. And my driver's license was older, and I'm like, not not gonna not gonna, you you can't run that by me. You can't say I'm too old. And I'm going to give you two examples on this. One. My mo- well, I'm going to give you one. My mother-in-law turned 95 this year, okay? And I gave her my iPhone two years ago. She FaceTimes with the grandkids. She doesn't do it often. She gets on Facebook. Sometimes she screws it up and we don't care. But she embraced it because she recognized that for her world, her family was scattered across the country. She wanted to know what her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren were doing. And this was how she was going to do it. And so unless you are older than my mother-in-law, and even then, I'm not sure I'm going to cut you any slack, you don't get to say, I'm too old. You're only too old because you've decided you're too old. Oh, I could not agree with you more. I'm talking with Lorraine Ball. Her business, well, no longer is it your business? So I'm not even going to mention it. You can if you'd like. But, well, put it this way. I want to let people know how they can connect with you, what your favorite channels are, et cetera, et cetera. So, Lorraine, take it away. So you can always hear this pleasant voice at More Than A Few Words wherever you listen to podcasts, including morethanafewwords.com. And my online training business, which is just me, is digitaltoolbox.club. And you can find me on pretty much any social media platform. I'm Lorraine Ball on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter. Instagram, I'm Lorraine F. Ball because somebody else got the Lorraine Ball before I did. Yeah, that's why you early adopt stuff, just to grab the handle. Well, and I want to thank you again for being on this edition of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. But don't worry, Lorraine's going to be back in next week's episode as well. So by all means, check that out. I'm DP Knuton, your host, and please like, subscribe, refer, and most of all, review this podcast wherever you get it because that helps other people find it. And she is... Lorraine Ball. And we'll be talking at you again next week. Bye-bye.